Welcome to See Me After Class. This is a podcast by two New Zealand secondary school teachers based in the Southern Alps of New Zealand. We operate out of classrooms that look out over the most stunning mountain ranges in the bottom of the South Island. And it's my pleasure to introduce Renee Plunkett, who is a fourth year English teacher. And sitting here with me is Chris War, a teacher with 17 years under his belt from both overseas and here in New Zealand. And Renee, apart from being a teacher, is also an avid gardener. And Chris also enjoys triathlon. This podcast is about the day-to-day realities and joys and sometimes horrors of our teaching experience in the classroom. So we invite you to listen in and we invite you to give us feedback on what you hear. This is... See me after after class. class. And here we are back for another week, and this time we've got Renee in the studio. Welcome back. Hi. I can actually ask how you are in person this time. Yep, I'm very good in person. Thank you very much. (laughs) So, how's your week been? Not too bad. It's, um, It's begun with a lot of reading at the moment. A lot of my senior classes and my junior classes are doing a lot of reading of our core texts at the moment. That is something we do a lot of, isn't it? Because our uh, programs revolve around the genre or the theme of the texts that we read, we often start with the core text, which means essentially starting at the hard end of the program. Yes, absolutely. I mean, my level threes are completely in the deep end at the moment with King Lear. We've had some interesting reactions so far to the old king. Yeah, and of course our year 10s have been jumping on their iambic pentameter ponies. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. I look out the window and there is Chris galloping around the green that's just outside our classrooms with his classroom following him. Yeah, going ba-dum, ba-dum, (laughs) ba-dum. Like a pack of ponies. Yeah, that's perfect. So in this episode, we promised we'd get down to the bare knuckles and talk about what actually micro-credentials are in the terms of our project. Also, we've got the second half of the interview that was rudely interrupted by a fire alarm with Gina and her keep a lid on it section. And of course, as always, we've got those small fragments of things that just happen around the school that we want to share with you. Yes, all the little things that just pop up quite randomly at any time of the day or night that we just desperately need to phone into each other, really. <laughs> That's right. It <laughs> tends to be night. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So let's start talking about this micro-credentials business. We've got this grant from the Education Hub in order to develop this innovation. And what it is, is a system to replace the existing mode of assessment within the school with something that revolves around a whole set of what are essentially digital badges. Mm, Absolutely, Chris. We're looking at how we can um, hopefully enhance the student outcomes um, and the process of learning within our classrooms. How can we make assessment just a natural part of that? Yeah, and also looking at a whole lot of other dimensions of assessment, like, for example, allowing the students to have purchase over the assessment Mm. and decide when they're ready to demonstrate their skill or knowledge or whatever. Yeah. Also, the other element that we could bring into that is their agency over their learning and and how they can be consciously making um, moves within their own learning path. So there was lots of thinking about this, and we've started the project with a meeting of all the teachers who have signed on to participate in the development of these credentials, 
And in that meeting, instead of talking about the credentials themselves, much to the perhaps chagrin of the teachers, <laughs> we talked about how we're going to measure the impact of this innovation. Absolutely. So we were lucky enough to have Rosemary Hipkins from um, NZCER joining us and leading that workshop alongside Nita Hood from the Education Hub. Uh, they visited last week to uh, kick off our workshop and, and talk us through what really is student agency and how do we even go about tackling the measurement of it? And we came to that conclusion because I determined already in advance <laughs> that the things that this micro-credentialing project might achieve is an increase in agency in students and obviously, and importantly, an increase in their educational outcomes in specific. Yes, absolutely. Looking at that connection um, between their agency and whether or not that is a positive thing, whether or not that leads to a positive outcome for them. So Rosemary brought down some stimulus questions from <laughs> some prior research that the NZCER had done in the area of agency. And as a group, we tried to condense those down into some measures that we feel will be useful in determining whether we're actually having an impact on student agency. And the process and results from that analysis and study and, and condensation of ideas are available on the website where you find this podcast if you'd like to see the detail of that. Just as much as the teachers we work with, it might be the case that you as a listener might want to know how this micro-credentialing system might work in a school. So we thought we'd give you a brief outline. First, We've broken assessment down into five categories. What's one of them? Yes, so we could start off with uh, the know badge, the knowledge badge, where we're looking at those things that sometimes our students just really need to know. It deals with the content side of things that sometimes we just need to impart on them. And then there's a collection of badges called the do badges, which are essentially ones that define a particular skill, quite mm. often something that needs to be done repeatedly in order to become excellent at it. Mm. And then we've got the reason badge, so the one that's all about thinking logically um, and, and using their, their knowledge and their skills to, um, to think through a situation. And I think the reasoning badge or that collection <laughs> of badges are my baby. I do yes. feel like in a, I do feel like in a lot of education, there's a lot of focus on the appearance and the style of things, mm. and there's a lot of a lot of attention paid to what students know. But I don't think that we often pay very much explicit attention to the processes of thinking that put all of that knowledge and experience into action, and that mm. create new knowledge or interrogate or evaluate the knowledge that exists. Yeah, absolutely. And then we come to our ACT badge, the badge that asks students to bring it all together, bring together those um, facets of knowledge, their skills, their reasoning to create um, an outcome, a really rich learning outcome. Hopefully something that we would all understand to be meaningful in the world mm. and that does operate as a combination of those things. Yeah. And then following that, there's the B badge, which is another area that would be seen as pretty unusual in a lot of assessment schemes, but that's in a, in a way of valuing the disposition of the mm. student. It may be something like perseverance, or it may be something like the ability to include others in a process and, and give them meaningful roles. The sorts of things that, as part of the social environment of the learning of the school, we um, encourage the students to develop. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There are those things that you'd really like to see in a well-rounded student before they head off into, well, I don't want to say the real world because I'll offend Chris, but yeah, into you, the bigger context of life. In <laughs> fact, 
you do offend me when you make your references to the real world <laughs> as if there's anything unreal about being in the classroom. I know. It's, I couldn't resist. It's one of the most real places that a teenager can find themselves. Well, it's, it's where they spend six hours a day. So, you know, it's, if it's not real, what is? Well, yeah. I mean, you could spend six hours a day in a pointless environment, but I actually think that six hours a day is a significant part of their life. And we have decided that this is the the richest way to use it. Yeah. It's very real. Yes, absolutely. But anyway, apart from my little hobby horse, which... So we've gone on the rant, but we'll come <laughs> yeah. back now. Oh, no, it's... <laughs> it's worthwhile. One of the interesting things about this is we've tried to develop these typologies of badges before we've actually created any badges that are specific in any classroom environment in order to help the team who are devising these to make sure that the badges that they're operating with are coherent and have relationships to each other and that they're developed in a way that makes sense and can be interpreted by people. Mm. But also it's an opportunity for us to think critically about what it is we are actually trying to value and assess in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And we've had some really interesting feedback from other parties. For example, Nina from the Education Hub recently wrote a comment on our blog entry where we've defined these typologies, which you can go and read if you want to. So at this stage, what you'll be seeing on our website is the development of some of the individual badges that are going to be used in the classroom. And as they are developed, they'll be published on the site, attached, associated with this podcast, and you'll be able from there to be able to see how they're developed, what they look like, and then ultimately what they're awarded for. Mm. A lot of students, for example, in the English department publish all their work on blogs. And so a lot of the work that uh, accrues or is awarded these badges will also be available for scrutiny and will be interested in people's feedback about what it is we're choosing to highlight in their learning and how the... what what and what sort of impact using this kind of credentialing system has on the learner. Mm, absolutely. Alongside each badge, we're also hoping to have some exemplar material so you can really see, what, and the kids can really see, what it is we are awarding, what it is that we recognise and value. Put a lid on it. Last week, Gina and I got rudely interrupted by a fire alarm while we were having our put a little bit discussion about motivation, intrinsic and extrinsic. So we're picking it up from where we left off last week. And last week, Gina did leave us with a startling proposition. I believe that extrinsic rewards are offered because people, educators, I'm going to offend some people who are listening, don't want to put in the hard yards themselves. Mm. Instead of creating a good culture in your classroom or a good culture within the way in which students approach their own work ethic is that it's, it feels like a sense of laziness to me. Mm. And if, it's, if, it's, if we're demonstrating laziness as teachers, then essentially that's what we're modelling. Mm. But we're also modelling that this is the way to get people to do things you want them to. Mm. And I, I, again, I struggle with that because that's affecting the culture. Let's look at a few things in more detail. And I think it's worth exploring the pitfalls of extrinsic motivation in the classroom too. So if we use something like this Dojo app we're making a reference to, it's an app that allows a system essentially that allows teachers to highlight areas of behaviour and performance in the classroom and give digital credits for it. Parents can have access to that information and the students become very engaged in it because it's quite game-like. The problem with that from my point of view as someone who's looking at the locus of control in the classroom all the time, is that it really does situate the control with the teacher. It says that the teacher will, moment by moment, be determining who's good, who's bad, who's rewarded, 
from whom the, the, the rewards are withheld. And therefore, the students start engaging in the classroom as a pursuit of the teacher's approval all the time. There's nothing internal about that. It's always, what, is, what performance do I have to put on in order to achieve that kind of positive attention from the teacher? And unfortunately, as teachers, the one thing we can't say is that we can't be completely objective. We're always going to have mm. a subjective response to things. There's always going to be a student whose contribution resonates with us more. And our job is actually to quell that that prejudice and to and to, to provide the kids with an equal environment where all of their contributions are valued in a more objective sense. So we mustn't give ourselves tools that tend to promote that inequality. Well I also think and I agree with the inequality, but what is the message that's going home to parents through things like this? I mean, what? but what do parents actually care about? Because I know as an, a person who works in education and also a parent, I don't care about if my son got a point and didn't get a point. And again, how subjectively are you looking at this or objectively are you viewing this? Mm. Where's the truth in that? It comes back to this whole idea of fortnightly grades that we do here yeah. um, at our institution as well. It's... It's such a poor measure of where things are actually at mm. in terms of a learner's uh, growth and their well-being and mm. what's important to to us as a family and oh, even maybe you could talk about as a community. But um, I think a lot of these things, sorry, I'm going off on tangents, but a lot of these things come down to also that parents seem to buy into them without realising the detrimental pitfalls of them and that saddens me as well so what my son may get a point for being quiet in a class well he's quiet as it is but did you did you view that moment when he was quiet and did you successfully award a point to him when he was quiet because he may have noted that he was quiet but you didn't give him a point and what message are you sending to him at that point in time that comes back to what you were talking about the Mm. fact that the kids will then be focused upon how they have to behave rather than actually being immersed in the learning zone yeah there's this problem I have, this concern I have that uh, we're going to end up with students who perform learning in the observable ways yeah. but aren't actually engaging with the material or uh, producing an outcome that's of substance to them, mm. only substantial in the terms of how we define what's substantial. I mean, quietness in the classroom is a great example of something that isn't necessarily a virtue. It's uh, it's sometimes helpful, but I'm not sure I would necessarily encourage it in a student who was needing to be more engaged. Maybe actually I'd be wanting to reward the opposite. I think it's funny because you look at when we have parent interviews with families, a lot of the things we will say to the introverted, quiet students and their parents, it would be really wonderful in a senior English class if you could contribute more you will find that through articulating your ideas you will learn so much more about your opinions and your viewpoints and people may challenge them and from that you will grow and learn Mm. so therefore that comes back to that idea of if you're talking about a quiet learner being a successful learner it's not necessarily true no and I'll stick with quiet just because I'd like to take the go down these rabbit holes my power thing if you're saying quietness is a virtue it's also saying submissiveness is a virtue it's saying i'm in charge of the classroom and your job is to sit sit passively and listen quietly now i have 
classrooms were quiet is absolutely essential to people's concentration. It's an important function in the classroom. Being able to have silence so that concentration can occur, it affords privacy to students when they're working on their own. There's no problem with it as a thing, but there is a problem with elevating it as more virtuous than, say, the rambunctious, mischievous question that a student might express almost spontaneously without control. There are times when that thing, which may come from the, char the character of the student, is exactly what the classroom needs. And our environments need to be flexible and dynamic enough to be able to embrace that rather than to, rather than to set up a code that all students are trying to pursue. My heart breaks at the idea of a seven-year-old child sitting in a classroom assiduously remaining quiet because that's what they get rewarded for. And also, it comes back to the question, well, it's not even a question, it's a statement. Well, I will phrase it as a question. Whose job is it to create this environment? Whose yeah. job? Yeah. Who's getting paid by taxpayers? Mm. Not the students. Yeah. There are times when stu students, as you said, should be quiet, and we need that for their, their learning benefits, and there are times when they shouldn't be. And, of course, I feel like a lot of the time with things like this, particularly extrinsic rewards, they're rewarding the wrong things, and then the teachers are also using them to oh, as a crutch. All the time, great stuff and terrible stuff is happening. I would say I'd classify it as if a person is working consciously and deliberately and with a set of very, very clearly established principles and philosophies and are disciplined and professional in their conduct, they're probably going to run a successful classroom, no matter what the dominant ideas are at the time. I'm happy that from when I was a child, where the main means of uh, achieving outcomes in the classroom were via means of punishment or threats of punishment that I don't run a punitive environment of that kind. But I'd I, I have to say I don't see it as particularly better to be in an environment where those threats or punishments are supplanted by extrinsic rewards. I don't think, it, essentially to me, it's all the same thing. The only thing that worries me more than anything else is if we have professional colleagues who aren't interested in engaging in this conversation. That we've, we need to continue to be figuring it out and we need to be looking at examples of excellence and we need to look at those examples without insecurity and not and we, we must not feel threatened by the questions that we might ask each other so that we can grow from it all of this stuff is super interesting yeah. now we were thinking about talking for about seven or eight minutes and we've well, probably, probably talked for about an hour which is about right for us <laughs> and I actually don't even feel that there's a there's not a full stop on this and I no. don't feel that we've probably covered all of it but no. I mean it's a taster isn't yeah, it you that's can right. see you can see where our passions lie we yeah. have quite interesting conversations yeah and we want to share these and each time it's all about trying to keep a lid on it and this yeah. time it's keep a lid on extrinsic motivation please do please do for the children of the world this is coming from again a mum this is a mum saying this at yeah. this point in time Just calling quickly to tell you about how excited I am about what happened today. So it's Saturday, 
and you know I had to go in and meet a parent to do uh, some deaning work, but also I went around to our colleague Christina's house to talk about the making of badges and maths, and we got into the coolest conversation about what you're really learning when you're figuring out the difference between a fraction and a decimal and a percentage, and it just got deep and wonderful and exciting and we were relating it to how excited her son gets when he learns something or masters something on his skateboard and how we want to create that kind of vibrant feeling in the classroom. It was just wonderful. So today's a good day. And with that, we come to the end of yet another episode of See Me After Class with Chris and Renee. Next week you'll hear about the next steps and some actual badges and you'll also hear from our Rosemary Hipkins. See you then. This was an episode of See Me After Class with Renee and Chris. My Twitter handle is at edutronic underscore net. And mine is at Renee Plunkett too. See you next week.